I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. Today we are talking with Ron Resch, President and CEO of the Solar Energy Industries Association, about his reaction to a report suggesting that the United States should improve the resilience of its electrical grid. Ron, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Frank. It's interesting to me that the White House would release the report so close to the 10th anniversary of the 2003 blackout that took out power to 45 million people. Do you think that was intentional? Well, there's no question, Frank, that the report was timed to coincide with the 10th anniversary of what was the largest and worst blackout in American history. And for good reason. Despite the lessons that we've learned since then, our aging grid still remains highly vulnerable today. As you know, the 2003 blackout started when operators were unaware of the need to redistribute power during an overloaded transmission line in very, very hot weather. And one of the lines that was hit by a tree. What happened then is you had a massive escalation. It would have typically been a, a local blackout cascaded into a widespread collapse of the electrical grid throughout most of the Northeast, and including parts of Canada. But there, there are also extreme weather events, and they too have an impact on the grid. Natural disasters such as Superstorm Sandy have wreaked havoc on both life, on property, the entire grid infrastructure, and our, our ability to kind of keep basic services going. And this week's fire in Yosemite, I think, also poses an example of threats that exist to, in this case, California's electricity transmission systems. But it's just another example about how vulnerable we are. And power outages, whether caused by mechanical failures or natural disasters, that can cripple entire regions and make entire areas unsafe and, frankly, uninhabitable. And I think we as a society have to recognize this vulnerability and need to start using technologies that can address it. And in our opinion, pairing emissions-free solar with energy storage uh, as backup generation, as well as distributed generation to help stabilize our infrastructure. It will make our grid more resilient and our nation and the planet healthier and more secure. How has the energy mix, from your perspective, you said you wanted to add more solar, how has the energy mix changed in the 10 years since that blackout? Pretty significantly, in fact. In the last 10 years, the amount of coal generation has gone from about 52% down to less than 40%. So we're very much cleaning up our, uh, our generating capacity. We're seeing increases in renewables as well as within natural gas. And in fact, there are now more than 8,500 megawatts of solar electric capacity installed in the United States, which is enough to power more than 1.3 million American homes. And you're seeing that trend continue. In the first quarter of 2013, nearly half of all new electricity added to the grid was solar. So in addition, innovative solar heating and cooling systems are offering American consumers cost-efficient and effective options for, for meeting their energy needs in areas where they would traditionally be using coal or natural gas-based electricity. What we're also seeing across the country is more nuclear and coal-fired power plants are being mothballed. And we just saw the announcement about Vermont Yankee uh, being shut down. And in fact, we've gone from about 104 nuclear power plants down to 99 nuclear power plants this year alone. So as aging infrastructure of generation kind of reaches the end of its life, we're very quickly having to turn over this capital stock to cleaner, more reliable generation. And that's exactly where solar fits in. This is the next generation of electricity technology. 
and it can be applied in so many different applications, again, residential, commercial, and utility scale. And the beauty is that in all of these capacities, it is stabilizing the grid, creating economic growth, and improving our environment. To give you some perspective, that as we continue to ramp up the solar industry, we have created very strong economic growth opportunities around the country. Today, solar employs nearly 120,000 Americans at more than 5,600 companies, most of which are small businesses that are spread across the United States. And the growth rate we've seen of solar in the last couple of years has made it one of the fastest-growing industries in the United States, period. And part of the amazing growth that we're seeing in solar is the fact that the cost of solar systems have dropped by nearly 40% in the last two years alone, making solar more affordable than ever. So when you go back to your question, how have things changed in the last 10 years? Well, we're seeing the shutting down of these antiquated coal and nuclear power plants. We're seeing an increase in natural gas, but a massive increase use in, in solar energy, which is going to help stabilize the grid. How do you view the willingness of the White House, the Department of Energy, and Congress to move the solar industry forward? President Obama just agreed to put solar panels on the roof of the White House. Does this change the way the industry members can pitch their congressional delegates about the industry? It's important to kind of look at the basic fact that in a polling that we do around the country, 92% of Americans support greater use of solar energy in our country. It is the single largest source of domestic energy that we have, and yet it still represents only 1% of our electricity generation. But increasingly, you're seeing that 92% number be reflected in the support that we're getting from members of Congress as the industry is communicating directly that they are constituent and that they are small businesses and that they are a very fast-growing industry in their congressional districts and that we are an industry that is an important part of our energy mix going forward. When you look at the Obama administration, they have done more for solar and as well as renewable energy and energy efficiency than every other president combined. And if you just go back five years and you look at where the solar industry was, I mean, we've increased employment in this industry fivefold in that time frame. We have increased our generating capacity by somewhere between 11 and 12-fold in that time period. And so not all of it can be directly attributed to the president, but what I certainly can say is his administration has been very supportive in trying to ensure that the solar industry has equal access to the markets and to kind of the rulemaking process as has been enjoyed by the rest of the energy uh, infrastructure over the last 50 years or so. And when I kind of step back and look at not only what they've done, but how they have removed so many of the barriers or created a process that allows us to site and permit and construct large-scale solar projects in the desert southwest, we're really starting to see today, this year, in 2013 and 2014, the culmination of really five and six years' worth of work of, of working closely with this administration to help grow the industry. Many of the people that I talk to, manufacturers and contractors, are holding their breath, waiting for that 2016 to roll around, and they're worried about what's going to happen with the ITC at that point. Does a report like the one that, that the DOE released improve the chances that the ITC will be renewed? Well, it certainly won't hurt it. I think there's broad-based recognition that all energy sources in this country have some form of support. The coal industry has enjoyed support since the 30s, the oil and gas industry since uh, 1960. 
19, the nuclear industry since the 50s. But it wasn't until 2006 that the solar industry really got any meaningful support from the federal government. And so you really can't build an industry in a, in a, you know, in a five-year, seven-year, ten-year time window. So I think there is recognition that incentives exist for other technologies, and we need to be providing the same sort of stability for solar going forward. Now, as we look forward, it's also important to kind of recognize where we are. We worked really hard in 2008 to get that eight-year extension, which takes us through the end of 2016, and we built a lot of congressional support to accomplish that, which was great. You look at industries like the wind industry, which unfortunately are dealing with these one-year types of extensions, and they're really facing some significant economic challenges for both raising money and fighting and bringing their projects online. You know, we expect this year to be a record year for the solar industry in the United States. Uh, we expect to do well over five gigawatts. We have 30 very large utility-scale projects uh, under construction today, including some cutting-edge solar thermal facilities that have you know, eight hours of storage, uh, which are really, I think, going to change the public's perception of solar energy. And, you know, and we're really focused on trying to figure out what is the policy structure that's going to work best for the industry as it continues to evolve. So CIA's board of directors is working right now to figure out our post-2016 strategy, and we'll be rolling that out this fall and I'll be promoting it to Congress and, and to the industry. The intention here is to try to find a long-term solution that works best for the industry that allows us to continue to scale up, drive down costs, and eventually to reduce our dependence of uh, support. And we head in that direction. We're going to be calling on other industries to get rid of uh, the, the support that they receive from the federal government as well. So ultimately, the company should be not worrying about the 2016 deadline, but rather uh, should be building up their projects today. We are working on another provision called the commence construction provision, which means simply that you would qualify for the investment tax credit if you commenced construction by the end of 2016, rather than having to have brought your project online by the end of 2016. And that will really help the larger scale solar projects who are running up into the deadline right now. It's a similar provision that was included in the 1603 program. We found that it works very, very well. And so we have a very coordinated, sophisticated lobbying campaign focused on trying to get commenced construction added to the ITC at this point. If people want to find out more about what SIA is doing to further the interests of the industry and how they, in fact, can help, what's the best place for them to find that information? Uh, well, certainly the best place is to go to our website, which is seia.org. We are the National Trade Association for the solar energy industry, and in that capacity, we represent all markets and all technologies, solar thermal, solar heating and cooling, photovoltaics, residential, commercial, and utility scale. And what they'll find on the website not only is, is a plethora of information about policy, but also cutting-edge information on the tax code, on what companies should be doing, valuing their projects from an accounting perspective, really looking at market research and where the trends are occurring, not only nationally, but also at the state level. And I think what companies will find is that we as an industry, as we've continued to grow, our trade association, see it, has continued to evolve and provide more services and value to the industry. Again, what we're trying to do is be out ahead of, uh, of where we're going to go as an industry and provide the, the tools necessary for companies to grow their business. And when companies join SIA, they have an incredible advantage over other companies who are not members. And this includes access to the latest information, 
It includes networking events with the finance community, with manufacturers, with the leaders in the solar uh, industry. It, it also means significant discounts um, from Solar Power International to our finance seminars to our insurance program to many, many other opportunities. And I think what companies need to think about is what other industries do from a professional perspective as they grow. They come together, they speak with one voice, they participate through the National Trade Association, and ultimately it makes the industry grow stronger. So as companies are looking for more information, I encourage them to go to our website. I encourage them to to go through uh, what's publicly available and then to give us a call and find out how they can join SIA and benefit from uh, all of the the information and opportunities that, that we provide for the industry. Well, as always, Roan, it's, it's great to catch up. Well, thank you, Frank. I really appreciate you having me uh, on the show, and, and, and hopefully uh, I can be back on sometime soon. We've been speaking with Roan Resch, President and CEO of the Solar Energy Industries Association, about the White House's release of a study urging the country to stabilize its electrical grid and solar's potential place in helping that happen. This has been Solar Speaks, Solar Power World Magazine's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Until next time.